I'm Willow Astor, and today on Living in the Pages, I speak with literary agent Kimberly Brower. We discuss the overlooked art of the hook. She reminds us agents are real people too. And oh my word, the haunting of Hill House. Hello, Kimberly. Hello. Hi. Welcome. You're the very first agent I've interviewed for this podcast. That's either good or bad. It's... I don't know. <laughs> but, it'll be fun. but it'll be fun finding out. It's great. It's great. Um, I had the privilege of meeting you, I think. RT in Dallas, maybe? Probably. Yes. I do remember I do remember we met. It's just all the years jumble together. Yes. And I thought you were a very nice person. Oh, thank you. It's a good thing, not a bad thing. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I can't believe it's November and Thanksgiving is like in a week Uh, or so or two weeks from today. I can't either. We're actually airing this in January, so We'll be oh. saying, I can't believe this is 2019. Sorry. Okay. No, no, I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. Pretty soon it's going to be 2019. I just got used to saying it was 2018. Me like too. I ju- like I think around August, I was like, okay, I'm okay <laughs> with this 2018 thing. Uh, I like, uh, yeah. What part of the world are you in? Right. I'm in Manhattan. Okay. Awesome. What does a normal day look like for you? Okay. So my normal day is. And don't think I'm crazy, but everyone else does. I wake <laughs> up usually between 4 or 5 a.m. And then I usually go into the office between like 6 or 7. Mm-hmm. 6, 8, I aim for 6. And so my mornings I usually spend, because of the time difference, doing a lot of foreign stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do – we manage the foreign in-house. So I handle a lot of things like any offers that come in, any submissions we have to make, anything just because of the time difference yeah. with them. Six, And then usually that kind of dies down around like nine or 10. And then I get to answer my emails for everything else here. And then it just really depends on the type of day if I'm on, if, uh, on deadline, meaning that if I have to read one of my author's books um, mm-hmm. that's due on contract or whether um, they, someone gave me a book that they want to shop. Um, Got to work on that. And then there's a lot of all the fun administrative things that I think nobody even really thinks of that we Ugh. do, that I do, yeah. like payments and royalty, which are good things. Everyone right. likes money. Everyone likes money. Mm-hmm. But still, it still needs to get done. Um, just a lot of mailing, just a lot of pretty much that stuff, administrative things. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, that's it for the most part. It really depends on like deadlines and scheduling. Right. Um, but like today, it's today's more of my catch up administrate administrative day. So how did you decide that running a literary agency was for you? So I went to law school mm-hmm. and I realized pretty early on I didn't want to be a lawyer. <laughs> I honestly think most people do when they're in law school, but like you're always like, Well, what choice do I have? I'm like yeah. in debt. And then um, after I graduated and I took the bar, an opportunity presented itself to open a business with a friend of mine, mm-hmm. totally not non-publishing related. And so I, it kind of got me out of the, what am I going to do after law right. school, but use my degree. So I did that, but, and it allowed me to, I say this opening this business with my friend was kind of like a crash course, MBA course in running Okay. Business. Yeah. So I did that. And then 
through that, I was able to realize that I had a lot of free time. And because of that, I actually started reading a lot more than I already did. Mm. So we're talking, this was like 2010. Um, and, and at that point, I don't think I even owned a Kindle. I don't know if that was a thing. <laughs> it sounds weird, but like, I don't even think it was a thing. But um, I would, would be one of those people that would go into Target. And every time you go into Target, you buy a book. Yes. That, that was me. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, but now that I owned a business, I had a lot more free time. So I started to read a lot more and then Kindle and then eBooks, you mm-hmm. know, were introduced and everyone was like, Oh my God, you can read like very fast and cheap. And yes. yeah. So that's what that took over. And then through that, I was just able to meet authors and bloggers and it was more in the romance world. And then, um, Coincidentally enough, I met Rebecca Friedman. Her and I connected, and she kind of had me read. She asked me to read or edit one of her author's works. It was was very um, serendipitous, our meeting. (laughs) And um, so we met, and then at the time I was living in California, in Southern California, and she was like, oh, I'm in L.A. Do you want to have lunch? So we met, and then I kind of told her all about my background, and she's like, have you ever thought about being a literary agent? So that's kind of like how it started. Um, I started working with uh, the Rebecca Freeman Literary Agency, and so that was really great and exciting. And I got to really build my list mm-hmm. while there and learn about just being an agent. And I kind of approached it and entered being an agent from, I think, a different way than most people do. Like, I think normally you're like intern and then you assist. I kind of jumped head first into it, which may or may not be the best way to do it. So I don't advise people to do it this way, but that's, that was my way of entering. But because of that, I feel like I looked at it differently than I think a lot of people that grow up quote unquote in publishing does. Mm -hmm. Like I look at agenting more as like a business. So that's just how I've always approached it. And so that's kind of um, how I did it. And I grew my list. And then in 2016, um, I was based in New York and Rebecca was in L.A. And to be honest, I was itching to go back to owning my own business again because I, yeah. I, miss, I missed it. I liked it. So uh, I took that leap. So here I am. I don't know if that was like the longest answer to your question. No, it's but that good. Was, <laughs> but that's, my, that's my story. And I'm sure all of it has helped prepare you for this now. Of course. Are there any trends in publishing you would suggest authors avoid or recommend pursuing? Oh, that's like the million dollar question, Willow. Um, (laughs) I think the first thing an author needs to decide is what are they looking for? What do they want? Because that can be a different picture for everybody. Like some Mm -hmm. people just want to make a lot of money. No judgment here. I get it. Some people want um, the critical acclaim, Mm -hmm. right? Some people just want to write a book. Um, So like everybody has, and I think it really depends on what you are um, looking for. But in terms of traditional publishing, some of the trends that I see right now or else I'm hearing, I'm seeing being bought, I'm seeing being published, um, is a lot of, um, it's basically rom-com, which... (laughs) We could call it all these different words, but it's like elevated chiclet. It's like elevated yeah. romance, very high concept romance mm-hmm. um, with a very unique hook. And what the publishers are doing now is they're packaging it different than what 
you and I are used to when we see a romance cover, right? Okay. Like normally romance covers are like naked chest or like abs yeah. or something super sexy, which sells. I get it. And it still sells. But what publishers are doing now is kind of making covers more artistic, like illustrated, mm-hmm. um, not so much person focused. Right. And even if the story is the same way. And and I have not read this book, but other people have. But the kiss quotient? Yep. I had her. Oh, great. Yeah, she's great. Really wonderful. Yeah. So like I, I use that book as a perfect example. Like the heart of it when again, I haven't read it, but again, people have talked to me about it. It's so it's a romance. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. It's just, I feel like Berkeley did a very intelligent thing in that they just packaged it differently. Mm-hmm. They, um, I think it's just changing people's perception of romance. And I think that's what they're doing, which I think is very smart. I like it. Yeah. So that's a trend that I see right now. Um, women's fiction always, I don't see a lot of cichlet. That's what they call it. Like, where someone's dying of cancer, <laughs> which I'm glad because I think I think what everyone wants right now is like feel good books. Yeah. They want to laugh. They want to. They're okay with crying as long as it's like happy crying. You know. Right. Uh, I think those books are doing well. I think domestic suspense is always doing well. I think I don't know about psychological thrillers. It's like hit or miss. Like some people are saying they're still steady, which I think they are, and some people saying they're they're they've plateaued Mm. but they've they've been telling me that like two years ago and yet they're still publishing them so I don't know if that's an accurate statement either I'm encouraged to hear about um, romance because for a while there it seemed like nobody wanted romance in trade and so correct I feel like this is a positive turn yes but I will say they're being way more pickier Mm. And it's interesting because I've had multiple conversations with various authors of mine and they're like, well, I have this idea and here it is. And and I'm like, it's great. I really like it, but there's no hook. Mm. And you'd be surprised how many times people say to me, what's a hook? Oh, and I, I guess I don't realize it because like I talk about hooks to like editors all the time. It's like part of the, like my two sentence elevator pitch. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I had to explain it to a couple of authors and they're like, oh, and they're like, well, it's this. And I'm like, yeah, but a story about like boy meets girl, they have a conflict and then they get back together. That's not really a hook, right? right. It's not really like, oh, or like a second chance romance. That's not a hook anymore. Right. It needs to be like, what is unique about your story? Um, and I think that's good because I think you're right. I think publishers are finally coming around. I think they're just going about it in a different and smarter way. Hmm. What do you feel most agents are looking for in a client or what do you look for in a client? Do you mean like a debut, like someone that's never published before or because I can answer both. Okay, questions. both. Okay. Tell me both. All right. So for a debut, it's really just a solid story. Mm-hmm. Usually um, agents ask for, a, you know, a query letter with like the first chapter. Again, everyone's different, but the general rule is like first chapter and like a summary. Right. That's what I ask for at least. And I think from there, then if they like that, they request your manuscript. And I think it's just voice is a one thing, like the voice. You have to like like the narrative voice mm-hmm. and connect with it. And I think that's really it. It it sounds very basic, but 
I think it's super subjective. And that's, I think, the hardest part of this industry mm-hmm. is everything is very subjective. And even on our end. So like from an agent's point of view, when we submit to editors, we may love a story and think this will be the next insert big hit. Yeah. But publishers will be like, no, no. And it's just so subjective. But I do think, unfortunately, that trickle down to when like debut authors are submitting to agents, the same thing happens. Right. So my suggestion for debut authors would be see if they've put out a manuscript wish list. Mm-hmm. Usually they do that on Twitter. Um, check their submission guidelines, check their authors that they represent currently, make sure it's like a genre they've said, see if they've done interviews where they said they've been interested in anything. Mm -hmm. I think going that extra step may help in finding you as an author the right person that you have better chances of connecting with your work. And then for an established author? Someone established, I think it's both a little bit easier and a little bit harder than a debut author. And I'll explain that. It's a little bit easier in that if you have written a book and the agent knows it or the agents read it or you have a track record, that makes it a lot easier Mm -hmm. to um, get the agent's attention. I want to say it that way. You know, it'll get the agent's attention a little bit quicker. That being said, and I will only speak for myself because I don't know how other agents handle this, but I also still want to make sure I like the writing and make sure the story the author wants to shop is marketable. Is it something I want? And I think it's harder also because I think authors that are established, whether you're self-published or already a trade published, You have more knowledge, which I think Mm -hmm. is great, but something an author always used to do may not be the way an agent wants to do it. Right. So that might be a little more challenging. And it can be hard, it seems, because the publishing world does feel like it's always evolving. So the desires are always changing probably in what you're looking for. So that can be hard on both ends, I think. Correct. For the timing to line up. No, I agree. I mean, if you want the most basic answer, and I think I can speak for most agents when I say this, we just really want a really good book. A really good, well-written, well-told, well-plotted story. That's what we want. It sounds very easy and it's very basic, but I'm sure you know, there's just a lot that doesn't fit that. Right. Are you usually the one who decides or is the client, uh, if a book is going to be self-published or trade, do you kind of know that as soon as you hear the premise or do you? Yeah, I can pretty much know. It's not a unilateral, meaning I don't ever decide for. There are times when an author comes to me like, I have this idea, what do you think? And then I'll give an honest opinion be like, oh, I think you should self-publish this or mm-hmm. no, I don't think it or no, this would be really great. But then we have a discussion and they might, I still might think it'd be a really great book to shop and they still may want to self-publish it, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But um, so it's kind of collaborative. Is there a certain time of year that you feel is really an excellent time to submit a certain genre there used to be. I'm really glad you asked that. There used to be. The the myth, the urban legend, I guess, is you never want to submit in August mm. or after Thanksgiving. Okay. That's, that's kind of like the myth. But in 
all the editors I talk to, from my own experience, I don't really operate that way just because there are, there were editors this year specifically in August, editors were like, I haven't gotten anything. No one's submitting to me. Now's oh, the wow. time to, you know, <laughs> so it's like, I'm not saying bombard them and I'm not saying expect a fast response, but I set a rule. Like I don't submit after like December 10th, December 15th, just because it'll probably totally just sit there Mm -hmm. until after the new year. If it's like a big project or something I'm very excited about and I know specifically an editor is looking for it, I usually don't worry about the time of the year. So I don't think anymore that that exists. Interesting. Are there any particular writing conferences that you recommend or that you've especially loved? I loved the pitch session at Thriller Fest. I thought it was done very well. I liked the organization of it. I liked the way it ran. It was very smooth. I have gone to Writer's Digest conferences, which are smaller. Mm -hmm. And I've actually really liked them because the people sign up for their pitch session and they come and it's just really nice to have really good face-to-face time. And that is very well organized as well. Okay. Good to know. Let's do a fast five where I ask you questions and you answer off the top of your head. Okay. (laughs) Last movie you watched. Bohemian Rhapsody. Pizza or tacos? Pizza. Favorite age? 32. Favorite genre to read? Crap. Thrillers. (laughs) Celebrity crush. Theo James. Yeah, he's great. He needs to be in more. He does. I haven't seen him in anything in a long time. He's underutilized in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Any shows you binge watch? I just finished The Haunting of Hill House. Yes. Wasn't that good? It was amazing. (laughs) Amazing. I have probably talked to Claire Contreras. Oh, I would say hours at this point trying to hash out all the hidden meanings. I have so many questions. Me too. I could go on. I have just a lot of questions. You need to do a (laughs) podcast just talking about that show because it would be amazing. And I will be on it if you want me to. Because I can talk about it. It was just, but I just have a lot of questions. Me too. So good. And so does Claire. Good. (laughs) Well, I think we should sing a song now. Oh, no. Um, I was kind of thinking She Will Be Loved by Maroon 5. How do you feel about that song? Are you really going to ask me to sing? I really sing badly. It's all the better. Yes, I have everyone sing who comes on the podcast. Am I going to get music? or? Nope. <sighs> you start off by, oh, this is horrible. <laughs> this is like torture. I can't believe, you know, okay, let's, let's do it and everyone can laugh at me. Okay. Ready, set, yeah. go. I don't mind spending every day. Out, out on the corner, corner in the pouring rain. Look for the girl with the broken smile. Ask her if she wants to stay a while. And she will be loved. She will be loved. Oh, is that okay? That's it. Okay. Are we going to keep going? Tap on my window, knock on my door. I- Wanna ah. make you feel beautiful. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's a good video, actually. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah. Well, now I want to talk about Hill House, but I will let you I go. Know. Next time, we'll have yeah, to schedule we... a Hill House 
podcast. I think it would be awesome if you did. I'm not even okay. lying. I, I would even I would even sing for you to do. That. Ooh, right. Nice. <laughs> That's how much I want to talk about. Oh this my show. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, it's on. <sighs> Well, I have to make uh, this happen. Well, thank you for having me. Well, you're wonderful. So thank you so much for doing this. Have a great day. You too. Take care. I'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Please share with all your friends. 